0: Thank you, all, for participating. Thank you, Tracy, for playing. Thank you, Olm's family, right there in the back. Thank you, our deacons. Thank you, Barbara, for playing. Thank you, Sandy, for leading out the greeters. I know in the back there, uh, uh, Kathy is with, we call it the gun, is the thermometer um, to check. And we have plenty of seats here. What I'm about to open up today is not a denial of what's going on in the world, of what's going on in our country, of what's going on in our church. It's rather a response because I don't know how you felt lately, but there was so much going on. And I think God in His Word will open up a solution for us with capital S. God has a solution. So I pray that you stay with me every sermon because at the end, we bring how to implement it in our life. In fact, right before... The end of the sermon, and right after Benedict, or right before benediction, after the closing song, I will help you how to implement this solution in your life so that what's going on out there will not drive your life. But this solution that we're going to talk about today and in the coming Sabbaths, let's bow our heads for a prayer once again. Lord, we come to you. Because when we're going through difficult times, that's where we go. And in your word, you have provided for us enough promises, enough faith-building solutions. That when we will open and see that there is a solution, there is a power out there that has been provided for us i pray and hope that we will be excited lord thank you for taking over this service thank you for taking over this message i pray that the holy spirit will rain down on our hearts today in jesus name we pray amen amen In 2012, the Three Gorges Dam in China. I know you heard a lot of things for China. There you go. We started this morning. This particular hydroelectric plant took the number one spot of the largest hydroelectric dam in the world by electricity production capacity, replacing... The Itaipu Hydroelectric Power Plant in Brazil and Paraguay. The Three Gorges Dam has has a generating capacity of 22,500 megawatts compared to 14,000 megawatts for the Itaipu Dam. In the United States, the Grand Coulee Dam on the Columbia River, Washington, is the largest in our country with a generating capacity of about 6,800 megawatts. is the fifth in overall worldwide ranking. Did you know that we have a hydroelectric plant right here near us? You probably So, you probably recognize it. About three miles from downtown Louisville, west of downtown, the Ohio Falls Hydro Station, built in the mid-1920s and commissioned in 1927, generates about 100 megawatts. At one time, it covered everything for the city of Louisville. All the needs. It's not the case today. So, We have Three Gorges Dam, a capacity of twenty-two thousand five hundred megawatts; Itaipu, fourteen thousand; Grand Coulee in Washington, sixty-eight hundred; and our Ohio Falls hydro station of one hundred megawatts. What do they all have in common? I put it in yellow there. I hope you can see. It's how we rank them. How we Measure them, right? Megawatts. Megawatts of what? Of power. Electrical power, that is. What hydroelectric plants do is capturing the power that already exists in a flowing river Capturing that power, or as much as they can capture that power, and then put it to good use. You can see a very, yeah, it's a very simplistic schematic of what a hydro plant does. So this power uh, is an is invisible power, but once it's captured, it has the capability of... Uh, Lighting our buildings, lighting our streets, lighting our cities and communities. It has the capacity of heating our homes and buildings and facilities, charging our cars now. (laughs) It's amazing what the electric power can do. And it is invisible to the human eye, but it's, the, the power is literally invisible, but it does wonderful things that we can see in the spiritual realm. There is a power, a power that is literally invisible to the human eye, yet it has the capability of making wonders, of making miracles. It has, it has a, ca- a capability of, of changing and transforming lives. It has the ability that no other power in the world can do. I guess you know what I'm talking about. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And I would have to add that the Holy Spirit has has even more power than the largest hydroelectric plant in the world. About three weeks ago, I was having a spiritual conversation on the phone about the reality of our world, of our country, and of our church. And this person lives down in Florida, not related to our congregation or to our community here, but knows exactly what's going on. And we were inspired to believe that we definitely need a power that will help us live our lives as Christians as we feel powerless in the world we live today. I wonder if this happened to you certainly lately, your email inbox, your Facebook page, your radio stations, TV stations, your newsletters, or all the media stuff, they're all overloaded, overloaded with information about what is going on in the world. And then I have all people from all over sending me solutions. And I tell you, in in the beginning, I started reading all these conspiracy theories. I got tired of it. I said, there's got to be a different way. There's got to be a different way. Who are you going to believe? What are you going to even read or listen first? I must admit that it feels overwhelming. What is true and who speaks the truth? Not only that I feel overwhelmed about the amount of information, but let's face it, do I have time? Do I have do you have time to test everything, to research everything, to make sure that is true? It's impossible. There is a way though. You may have heard this illustration before if you attended evangelistic meetings you know you know it How do the bank tellers discern between fake dollar and the true one Do they study and research every fake dollar Do they learn about every fake dollar in the world No They're rather trained to recognize to recognize the true one Everything else is of no value. Everything else is not important. Only the true dollar, only knowing the true dollar makes the banker safe. What is true? And who speaks the truth in our world today? Whom do you trust? Who informs your worldview? What or who guides you to discern between what is right and what is wrong? My friends, brothers, and sisters in Christ, there is only one solution with capital S. Jesus promised that solution it is powerful more powerful than the largest power plant in the world regardless of what type it is the power of the holy spirit and more than that is the infilling of the holy spirit in us after that telephone conversation i spoke with pam And we purpose that on July 1st, we will begin this journey of 10 days of prayers and devotions to be filled and experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we were warned that the devil will do anything, anything to, to distract us or to discourage us, to do anything to stop us from receiving this blessing and we ask people who've been through it, people that we trust, that they love us enough to pray for us. On June 30th, get this, a day before we're supposed to start, I was hit with the hardest prejudice against me as a minister, immigrant, and evangelical Christian ever in my 28 years of American life. I was so discouraged, I'm telling you. Ah. By the way, it wasn't in a church setting. No, not, not anybody from Middletown did this to me. I want you to know. I love you all. You guys are awesome. The experience was real. It was in the face, and I felt so discouraged. And at the end of the day, we knew it. It wasn't the people. It was the devil Behind the people trying to discourage us from engaging in what has been the most wonderful Christian experience we had so far. And I need to tell you that besides the, besides the days we spent in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park last weekend, besides those couple, two, three days These past 10 days have been nothing but a roller coaster (laughs) between the valleys of the devil's attack and the height of the workings of the Holy Spirit in our life. Was it worth it? Pam can tell you, it was all worth it. And it is worth it. We're going to keep doing it. I want to introduce you today to this experience because I think it's my personal sincere opinion that much of what we have been dealing with here at Middletown in the last five months could have been avoided if our people would have received the baptism, the indwelling, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I know you might think, Pastor Marius, I've been a baptized Christian 10, 20, 50 years. What are you talking about? Well, I know Solomon says, For everything, there is a purpose. Everything that happens under the sun, Ecclesiastes 3.1. And there is a time for everything. What are you talking about? Well, I believe you are a Christian for many years, and I commend you for that. I just want to present you something that some of us may have not been aware of. I know some of you will become skeptical of what I'm about to say. Is Pastor Morris going to teach us how to speak in tongues? No, that's not my intention at all. Please hear me out and listen to the end of the sermon. Being baptized of the water is not enough to get you to heaven. I know it may cause some of us to be skeptical about this. When I spoke with Pastor Dennis Smith, who actually experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then began writing about his experience about 20 years ago, he told me that some people in his congregations were skeptical at first about this proposition to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It took them a while to grasp the importance and then to inquire of the Spirit to baptize them. And once they got it, He told me, it is true, His churches were transformed. People were transformed. As I said, being baptized of the water and being baptized with the Holy Spirit are both important, but they are not the same. Let me explain. I recently finished reading the book of Acts. And as you read the book of Acts, one fact stands out above all others. And that is the church grew phenomenally and immediately after the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit took charge of the Word of God and thousands were converted to Jesus Christ. And such growth caused some problems. For example, in Acts 6, we are told that some widows were neglected in the daily administration. So the Holy Spirit led the 12 disciples to call a meeting of the believers. Seven deacons were supposed to be chosen. And their qualifications were simple. I highlighted them on yellow out of Acts 6.3. Their qualifications were good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. Such qualifications must have been observable in order to use them as guidelines. Consequently, the qualification of being filled with the Holy Spirit must have been observable as well. But you may say, isn't every believer filled with the Holy Spirit at baptism? Apparently not. Otherwise, the qualification of the Holy Spirit filling for the position of deacon would have been redundant. Think about this. For example, if I were were told to choose Man for a job, and all men had blue eyes. It will be redundant to call on me to tell me to pick only the people who have blue eyes. Right? And they all have it. In Acts 8, we read that when Philip baptized a number of men and women, the disciples in Jerusalem heard about it and sent Peter and John to Samaria, who "...when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet He was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hand on them, and they received the Holy Ghost." And, and throughout these messages, we were going to talk about what it means, how it's being done not necessarily laying on hands all the time. So today, it's my desire for you to understand these true facts about the Holy Spirit, His work and His baptism. So please understand, there are two works of the Holy Spirit, and there are two outpourings of the Holy Spirit. The two works. First, the Holy Spirit convicts and converts us and leads us to accept Christ and be baptized in the water. The second work of the Spirit is to fill us so we can truly live the Christian life and as a result, do the works of God and be his witnesses think with me for a moment and actually we're we're, we're going to uh, uh, uh yeah focus on the first one we're going to go to that in in a moment think with me for a moment we have jesus as our model right he is our example of living he lived on planet earth like us soon after his baptism after his water baptism He was baptized with the Holy Spirit for which He had prayed at the time of His water baptism. you you find that story in Luke 3, verses 21 and 22. Luke there reports that Jesus prayed after His baptism. After His filling with the Holy Spirit, He was prepared to go forth in the power of the spirit to do a battle with satan with satan as never before. That's why he advised us to wait get the infilling of the spirit and then you're ready to do it because he did the same thing, he experienced the same thing. He got baptized with the water and then he got baptized with the holy ghost with the spirit. And when he got Baptized with the Spirit, he was empowered to preach and teach. He was empowered to carry on the ministry of healing and to cast out even devils. If Jesus needed the infilling of the Holy Spirit, so much more we needed. So, there are two works of the Spirit. One to bring us to Christ. The other to power us to live like Christ and witness for Christ. And there are two outpourings of the Holy Spirit chronologically in the history of Christendom. The first was manifested at Pentecost, and we call it the early rain. The second is the last day's outpouring, and we call we call that the latter rain. We're going to emphasize throughout this series beginning today on the first one on the early rain because some people think that that was back at the pentecost and it stopped there and we're waiting for the latter rain and that couldn't be no much no farther from the truth this early rain in filling of the Holy Spirit is available for you and me today. And there will, <clears throat> there will be the, 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 the latter rain right before Jesus comes. And next Sabbath we'll look how Ellen White and how other Christian writers looks at this and they agree that you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit's early rain the infilling of the spirit in order to receive the latter rain if you wait for the latter rain and in fact ellen white has it i didn't put it here i'm off my my manuscript but she calls it to wait for the latter rain and not ask for the infilling of the spirit today is the most terrible mistake one can make i was surprised and shocked at that statement I was like, wow i didn't see this before So, since this is available for us today, let's look at what happened and what happens when the early rain, the outpouring, when the infilling of the Spirit takes place. What happened? Powerful preaching by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. They continued in fellowship. They steadfastly continued in, in persisting in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship and in breaking of bread, and in prayer. There is fellowship, unity, and lots and lots of prayer or prayers. Then there is generosity towards those in need. Generosity was seen in the early church with no selfish ambition, no greed or stinginess. They were anxious to help fellow believers who were in need. Number four, God brought them into favor with all people. Good reputation in the community. God made them of good reputation, which in turn resulted in Saul being, being one to Christ every single day. You find that in Acts 2, 46 to 47. And then, the gospel of deliverance was preached... And not only preached, but experienced. I will share a couple of experiences next Sabbath. That happened one to one of my cousins and and, uh, one with another pastor. This is true power available to us now, today. The sick were healed, devils were cast out, and many were won to Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit early reign does. We need that infilling of the Holy Spirit, don't you think? We need it, and we don't need it just once. We need it daily. You may say, why daily? Well, I like how Dwight Moody Referring to the daily need for infilling of the Spirit. This is what he says uh, in the book, the Found, They Found the Secret, page 85 and 86. He says this, A great many things, because they have been filled once, they are going to be full for all time after. But, oh, my friends, we are leaky vessels and have to be kept right under the fountain all the time in order to keep full Wow, yes, we're human vessels, we're leaky vessels. Not only that, but if we are used by the Holy Spirit, that power that is imparted to us and we impart to others by doing the ministry of deliverance or by doing the ministry of the Holy Spirit on them, that power goes to them. And we need it again. Do you remember when Jesus, <clears throat> when Jesus was walking, and there was a crowd, and this particular woman who suffered from many years, she spent all her money, all her resources, to doctors and trying all type of healing methods. Nothing works, and she came. And she said, "Whoa! Well, what if I just touch his garment? She touched Jesus' garment. She instantly got healed. And Jesus said, Luke 8:46, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Guess what Jesus did the next morning? He went back on his knees. He went back on the mountain. Holy Spirit, I need power. Again, if Jesus needed the infilling of the Holy Spirit daily, so much more. We need that. When the Spirit works through us, that power is imparted to the beneficiary, and we need more. Well, Apostle Paul, when he urges the the Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5, 8, when you really look... At the Greek, the original Greek, it goes like this. Be filled is continue to be filled with the Spirit. That's what he urges. That's what he uh, uh, asks the Ephesians to do. Continue to be filled with the Spirit. It's not to be filled once. Continue daily and throughout the day. Every day we might be Claiming in order to keep receiving. You know, many times, and that's my mistake, I should say too, we keep praying for our church, right? We love our church. We keep praying for our church. But I truly believe that we must pray for ourselves first. (laughs) Pastor Dennis Smith says that spirit filled. Christians make a church spirit-filled. Let's consider for a moment what a spirit-filled church is not. We all know the Revelation 3 story when John writes about Laodicea, the last day church. John uses the word lukewarm to describe the church. Lukewarm and spirit-filled are not compatible. A believer is either one or the other. So the conclusion is clear. Holy Spirit in filling is what will change the lukewarm and, 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 and make the believers transform them to become zealous, obedient followers of Jesus Christ. Then you have the, or we have the the parable of the ten virgins, who also supports this truth about God's church in the last days. The wise virgins who were ready to meet the bridegroom had the extra oil. Leroy Froome, in his book, The Coming of the Comforter, page 294, comments on the parable Of the ten virgins. And speaking. On them. On the foolish ones. He says the foolish think. The wise are unduly worked up. Over this question. Of the oil. Yeah. There is opposition. Dennis Smith. Writes this. Observing. What happened in the early church. In the book of Acts. And comparing that to the church, to the Christian church today, I am forced to admit that I believe the Christian church is not spirit-filled today. I'm also forced to admit that the Seventh-day Adventist church is not spirit-filled today. Does that mean God is not using the Adventist church to carry on His work? No, not at all. It simply means that there is so much more that God could accomplish through us if we were as spirits-filled as He desires us to be. Wow! It has been said, if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn today, the majority of the work of the church would continue as usual and most Christians would even know he left as a Christian and a pastor. I have to be honest and confess that it's so easy and natural to get so busy in the work of God that we begin doing our own planning and doing, giving little little, or no consideration as to whether the planning and doing are under the promptings and guidance of the Holy Spirit. I'm afraid That much of our activity in the church and as a church is the result of man's plans and effort, not those of the Spirit. However, when the Spirit fills the believers and those filled believers fills God's church, amazing results will come about. And it will first stir up Satan's anger. We're going to talk about that next week. Yeah, he will not be happy. He will not be happy. My brothers and sisters, friends of the Middletown Church, The Holy Spirit is stronger and more powerful than Satan. When we will be filled with His Spirit, when we are baptized with His Spirit, unexpected, unimagined things will happen and unpredictable things will happen. Oh, man, I'm going to keep that story. It just happened. When was that? Wednesday? Thursday? I think it was Thursday. I'm going to keep it for later because I know you'll enjoy it when those people get baptized. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Somebody committed their life to Jesus unexpectedly. I've been praying that somebody will do it. Well, he they did it. Wow. That's how it works. What appears as a little will amount to much when it's done under the filled Spirit power. And much effort performed in the wisdom and strength of a man or a woman who is not Spirit-filled will amount to little in comparison. I want you to pray for the infilling of the Spirit every morning. And then let the rest come from God. Don't worry about how it will happen. Dennis Smith in his experience says, don't worry about extraordinary things that you will feel the fuzz. And no, he said, watch your life afterwards, and you will see the result. And I can tell you, our life this week, wow, man, it's wonderful. Just try it out. I can guarantee it will happen when it's asked in all honesty and all sincerity of the heart. And I want to I wanna end with a powerful story Jim Simbala relates in his book, Fresh Power. In, uh, in 1921, a young couple named David and Sve Flood from Sweden went to serve as missionaries in Zaire, Africa. They and, and another Scandinavian family, the Eriksons, felt led of God. Even though they were missionaries now in Zaire at the central mission station, they felt called by God to go beyond the the central mission station and serve in a remote area. They went to the village of Ndolera, where they were obviously rejected by the chief because he feared that they would anger the local gods if he would let them minister in his village. So what they did, they built a a, a, a mud hut, you know, those mud huts, just about a half mile away from the village. They continued to pray for God to touch the hearts of the villagers in some way, but no apparent breakthrough happened. The Eriksons, decided to give up this effort and they returned back to the central mission station. David and Sve remained faithful in their mud hut. Twice a week, a boy from the village was allowed by the chief to sell them chickens and eggs. This boy was their only contact to the villagers. And Sve decided to tell him about Jesus. And God bless her efforts, and the boy accepted Jesus as his personal savior. Well, Sve became pregnant and gave birth to a daughter who they named Aina. But the delivery was exhausting, and Sve had had been suffering with malaria. Her condition worsened, and after she gave birth to Aina, she died. 17 days later. Her husband, David, was devastated, became discouraged. He dug a grave and buried his wife. Then he returned to the central message station and gave his newborn daughter to the Eriksons and telling them this, I'm going back to Sweden. I've lost my wife and I obviously can't take care her of this little baby. He was upset with God. The Eriksons became very sick themselves and within eight months, they died. The baby Ina was given to an American missionary family who changed her name to Aggie and took her with them to the United States when she was only three years old. This family served the Lord in pastoral ministry in South Dakota. And Aggie grew to become a young woman. She attended a Bible college in Minneapolis where she met and married a young man named Dewey Hurst. They served the Lord in ministry together and had two children, a son and a daughter. Um, Dewey became a Christian college president in Seattle And in Seattle, it happened that there is a fairly good Scandinavian community. And and for some reason or another, Aggie felt attracted to that community. One day, out of nowhere, somebody sent her a magazine, a Swedish religious magazine, and she was shocked to see the picture of a white cross marking a primitive grave. And on the grave, it said, Sve Flood. Immediately, Aggie rushed to the facility member who could read the magazine in Swedish. And that faculty member told Aggie that the article was about a missionary couple that had gone to Dolera. The wife had given birth to a baby girl but died soon afterward. The article told of the young African boy who had accepted Christ, who after the white missionaries had left the area, grew up and convinced the chief to allow him to build a school in the village. With his students, this young man, he shared with all of his students, he shared Christ that he learned from Sve, and they all accepted Jesus. The children then influenced their parents to become Christians, and even the chief. (laughs) The article then stated that one village had 600 believers. A few years later, God providentially led an opportunity to Aggie to an evangelism conference in London, where she met a man who reported to the conference of 110,000 baptized believers in the nation of Zaire. She couldn't resist for the meeting to be over to ask him if he ever heard of David and Sve Flood. To her amazement, when he asked the man, Do you know them? he replied, Yes, Sve Flood. She's the one who led me to Jesus Christ. I was the boy who took food to your parents before you were born. In fact, to this day, he said, your mother's grave and her memory are honored by all of us. After they embraced themselves and they cried, he told her, you know what? You should come to Africa to see because your mother is the most famous person in our history, most famous person. So God provided a way for Aggie to visit Africa and her mother's grave and to see the white cross that had caught her eye in that magazine. Aggie felt the Holy Spirit as she was right by her mother's grave. And she gave thanks to God. And as a footnote to this story, God later gave Aggie an opportunity to meet her father, David Flood, who was still living in Sweden. He has remarried, has several grown kids, but was in failing health. And David had become very angry and bitter with God. However, when Aggie met him, when she shared what she discovered and how God, through his sacrifice, through, her, through their family sacrifice, brought to Christ literally hundreds of thousands of believers, he experienced peace with God once again. And not soon later, he died. Dennis Smith says, what appears as little will amount to much when it is done under the Spirit-filled power. I know this is a touching story of how the Holy Spirit can touch many people when we allow, when we surrender, when we ask for the infilling of His power every day. And here, how you can do it. You find this on page 70 of Steps of Christ. <clears throat> of course, you can, you can ask the Holy Spirit... in your own words. You can pray in your own words every morning. We are advised to do it in the morning... because that's the first thing that we ought to do. And this is how we are advised to do it. How to pray it. And if you would, would you... and if you're watching... Please join me as we pray together this prayer of surrender to the Holy Spirit for the day. Can you do it with me? Take me, O Lord, as wholly yours. I lay all my plans at your feet. Use me today in your service. Abide with me and let all my work be done in you. Amen.